Today's TribCast is presented by UT 40 for 40. Make a gift during UT Austin's Day of Giving 40 Hours for the 40 Acres. Give online at 40for40.utexas.edu April 4th and 5th. And Houston First, art, tourism, entertainment, conventions, hospitality. Houston First. More at houstonfirst.com. Texas talking oh, What was that that you said? Texas talking ah, Gonna hoop upside your head Texas talking Tell me who can you trust When Texas guys are Texas guys love Hi everybody, this is State Rep Justin Rodriguez from San Antonio where we just finished hosting a very, very successful Final Four Sponsored, of course, by House Speaker Joe Strauss. And now, from Zayrod to Eram, your TripCast host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here on Wednesday, April 4th with your Texas Tribune TribCast, our weekly podcast about the biggest stories in Texas politics. I'm joined this week by CEO Evan Smith. Hi. I was thinking about smoking during this podcast. Why were you thinking about smoking? Because last night in the middle of my interview with Sean Penn for TV, he, he pulled out a cigarette and asked me if I had a lighter. Evan's such this a name like dropper. literally, literally in the middle <laughs> of the Last night as I was enjoying myself Sean with Sean Penn. <laughs> and I somehow managed to avoid getting punched by Sean Penn in the face. Right. Uh, let's continue going here. Political reporter Patrick Svitek. Good afternoon. Did Senator Cruz punch you in the face or no, to punch I... you in the face last night? <laughs> no. Um, I didn't interview Sean Penn last night. You don't really have a punchable <laughs> face, honestly. <sighs> And Democratic congressional candidate Gina Ortiz Jones. Hi. Hi. Thanks. You don't have to give like a non sequitur here. Uh, we'll also be joined uh, in our second segment by our managing editor, Corey McLaughlin. So uh, look forward to that. Um, all right, Gina, we just heard as you were walking in here that you are ready to tell us about your fundraising numbers for the last quarter. Yeah. Uh, so we uh, raised over $700,000. Oh, my. And, Is that right? Uh, I'm not lying to you, brother. <laughs> this is almost as ex- that's almost as excited as Evan got with Beto O'Rourke's fundraising numbers. Do you want me to punch you? I can do that. <laughs> my, my, my suspicion is I would not be the first person you punched. Uh, and where is that um, money coming from? $700,000. Yeah. That is far and away the most you've raised in a quarter. I, I mean, yes, yes. I mean, I, uh, that first quarter was, uh, was tough. The second quarter, we, you know, but I, what, I, what I think it shows is the momentum um, and the excitement uh, about, uh, you know, this race, certainly this candidacy and what's in store for, for this district. What um, percentage of that money came from inside Texas or inside the district? You, you know, I think we're, yeah, I don't have the breakout in front of me. Um, um, we did hit uh, over a million dollars, though, based on based on that quarter. Are you taking PAC money? I, I'm not taking corporate PAC money, but I mean, yes. I mean, and you are taking mm-hmm. out of state money. Oh yes. Oh yes, not not just yes. No, 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 no. <laughs> like oh, comma yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, excellent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because you know what what what, what Congressman Heard or his allies in the district will say, among mm-hmm. other things, is well, the National Democratic Party is pulling the strings on Gene Ortiz Jones, and the funders yeah. are saying that they're going to come in and they're going to win this district, and that we should let Texans win this district. You've heard this before. I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and you know what we point to are obviously you know Paul Ryan's PAC that's active in the district, right? Mm-hmm. NRA money that's right. ad- active in the district. You know, let's yeah. go down the line of special interests that that. Our funding will Good. heard uh, that are quite active in this district, and, and why he doesn't—he's you know unable to show moral courage on you know from gun reform to health care reform, uh, any of these issues. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of momentum, do you have any yeah. idea how much that 700k was uh, since you won the primary through the end of, of March? 
Um, I'm sure you guys are kind of about 250. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Were you surprised about the outcome of the primary? Were you surprised that uh, that you're ending up in a runoff with Trevino versus ending up with Jay Hulings, who I think a lot of folks thought was, you know, at least the favorite to be in the runoff? Yeah, I mean, a, a little bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I think we were, you know, pleasantly surprised, but I think it reflects, you know, the the good the work of, uh, you know, the team, and we've traveled the district in, in earnest. And as I've said, you know, show me how you show me how you campaign, and I'll show you how you govern. And so we've, you know, made a point to travel the district as much, talk to as many voters as we can, um, and really give them a sense of, of who I am and why I'd fight for them. And it's a big district. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't it's know. Huge. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. I, I mean, five hundred. And I, so I think I mean, campaigning in this district yeah. is different from campaigning in. Well, that's right. Almost any other district that has some ma massive number of counties, that has yeah, some massive number of square counties. miles, it's yeah. as large as a state. It was, is it it's as large huge. as Rhode Island? It's, it's larger than multiple states, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. I mean, there are, uh, this is, 70% um, yeah, of the voting age population actually lives in San Antonio. But to your point, it's, it's a massive district. Um, and so you've got to spend time, you've got to understand, you know, what's going on in Presidio, what's going on in Alpine, what's right. going on in Uvalde. Is it a different conversation uh, in the West Texas part of the district than in the San Antonio part. In other words, the emphasis on issues that you make mm. when you give speeches or the conversations that you have with voters when they say, these are the things that are important to me. Is it a different conversation there than it is in San Antonio? Yeah, I mean, I th some of this is some of this is, is geographical. Some of this is kind of r rural, urban. Um, uh, yes, talking about healthcare in a place like Presidio, where you're 80 miles from the nearest hospital and there's only two EMS, you're right on the border. That's much different than talking about healthcare in San Antonio. Um, so yeah, you've got to go out there. You've got to look at it for yourself and, and really understand, you know, why, how important the community health clinics are. You know, when when we say one in ten kids in this country goes to school in Texas, and then 50% of our kids in Texas rely on CHIP or Medicaid, you know, what does that look like, uh, you know, in the district? And and then yeah. you can actually very clearly then see the intersections between, you know, the need to address uh, some of the um, some of the underrepresented communities, uh, underrepresented in terms of access to healthcare, um, and the real need to invest in infrastructure, not just roads, but certainly broadband. Mm -hmm. Question for you, um, you know, I'm curious if Beto O'Rourke has done you any favors in his sort of very public friendship with Will Hurd. What, you know. I kind of roasted him about that yesterday. <laughs> you did, I, I saw him, I saw you roast. That was, I think, before he was talking about Tinder. No, it was after he had uh, <laughs> Right, that was. Dude, you, you talk about your dating apps <laughs> on your own time. Right. No, but the point, the point was that he's talking about. Did you tell him to swipe left, swipe yeah. left on Will Hurd? Yeah, right, swipe I, I, left on Will Hurd. You should have, that, that would have been You know great. what, that's a campaign. <laughs> yeah. That's right. an ad that writes itself. Um, no, the point was that, you know, the, this is a year in which people are pissed mm. and the people who are activated in the Democratic Party don't necessarily want people who are going to mm. campaign on the premise that I'm all about bipartisanship mm. and working with other people. Mm. I'm not certain that, you know, cross country car trips eating ding-dongs with Will Hurd necessarily activates the Democratic base. That was the question I had for him. He kind of skated uh, uh, past that. Do right. you have a problem with that, with, with Beto and Will Hurd being besties? Well, I mean, I think this is a, there's a, a real opportunity for Texas in 2018, right? I mean, up and down the ballot, we've got strong candidates that are running, um, and I think it's in the best interest for the state that we all support each other. It's, I mean, this race has is Beto too Beto endorsed you? He has not endorsed me. Has I don't he think he's endorsed any congressional, with exception yeah. of Veronica. I don't think right. he's endorsed anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, but just as a, from the candidate yeah. perspective right now, do you get uh, the feeling that he's going to be a team player in, in, in the 23rd district? Uh, I certainly hope so. Okay. Does he help you get vote, votes out? Um, he has not been block walking for me, if that's what no, you're no, asking. No, but I he's mean been more very the, busy driving across. I mean across, in the existential yeah. sense. Does, in other words, having somebody sure. at the top of the ticket, you know, there's sure. a moment now with him. I mean, again, yeah. whatever the outcome of the race is, Everybody runs their own race, peace. That's but right. But having a celebrity candidate of sorts, somebody who, in whom there's all this now enthusiasm yeah. and energy. Yeah. 
he he kind of helps coattails potentially. He helps turn out the vote, the enthusiasm, energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so. I think there are also, you know, again, some strong candidates, you know, in this district that will also, you know, frankly, help up ballot as well. That's interesting. Reverse yeah. coattails. Right. As I was uh, doing some reading about you on our site and others, I stumbled across a Teen Vogue article. So you're getting the Teen Vogue treatment, which is probably a good <laughs> sign, where they were talking about you. They said that you would be the first openly gay woman of color from Texas elected to Congress, the first Iraq War veteran to represent Texas in Congress, and the first woman to represent Texas' 23rd congressional district. Mm. Are Texas voters ready for all of those firsts? Well, they better be. They created it. Right. I mean, look, I've only been able to serve my country because of the opportunities that my country, my community invested in me. Right. I, I am. I am. Yes, I'm, I'm proud of, of the life experiences that I've had. And I look forward to bringing those to this district. Um, and it can't be super surprising. You know, people always say, you know, are you surprised at the number of women running? Are you surprised at the number of LGBT uh, candidates running? I'm like, no, the people that have the most to lose, you cannot be surprised when they raise their hand and say, hold up there, Donnie. I got something to say about that. Or, you know what, I'm done assuming that somebody's going to do for me that which I can do for myself. And so um, it actually also, I, I show a lot of parallels in my, my own life experiences. And um, for example, you know, this, the, on the immigration of, of what do we do with our dreamers? Um, and I talk about, you know, when I was an ROTC cadet at Boston University, um, a don't ask, don't tell applied to me. So I am not a dreamer, but I know firsthand what it's like to live in fear every single day that your opportunity to get an education, your opportunity to serve your country could be ripped away from you at any moment, right? So I'm not a dreamer, but this anxiety, this needless fear, this uncertainty that the, that kid at the dreamer at, at Sol Ross State at at Alpine, uh, University of Texas at El Paso, University of Texas in San Antonio, um, that anxiety that they fear that the, an opportunity could be ripped away yeah. from them because these politicians don't have moral courage to say, you know what, we made a promise to you, we should keep it. I want to ask about something that Emily just mentioned, the veteran yeah. part. So. A lot of discussion, is there a blue wave this year or no. is there a pink wave? No, or is Evan, there, or stop is there a hold term. it? Or is there a red, white, and blue wave? <laughs> right? It's you, it's MJ Hager, it's Jake Elzey, it's yeah. Dan Crenshaw. Yeah. There are actually quite a number of candidates on the ballot this year, all of whom were part of this wave mm -hmm. of candidates yeah. who came out of Iraq and Afghanistan and decided to run. Yeah. Um, this is a moment now like the a certain number of cycles after Vietnam yeah. or a certain number of cycles after World, World War, War II, II, right? That's right. That's right. So w what is it about that experience that makes you well-suited or better-suited to serve in this kind of an office? Well, I mean, people that have been to combat know that patriotism is much more than wearing a flag lapel pin. Right. I yeah. mean, we know the true costs of, of poorly informed decisions. And when people don't have the courage to ask the type of questions that are going to keep men and women out of harm's way. Um, and it's also us that are uh, veterans that know firsthand the importance of some of the other organizations, necessary organizations that need to be well staffed and well resourced, resourced like the State Department, people that can help us stay out of war. And unfortunately, you know, if you need to do something in a country who also helps stabilize that and, and contribute, frankly, to the long term stability of that country, it's, it's not the military, right? It's going to be. Uh, you know, institutions like the State Department. So, um, yeah, I think it, you, it's not super surprising to me that those of us that have experience having served in countries where women and minorities are targeted, right, where government's disregard right. for conflict of interest has hollowed out those countries, uh, to have worked in those places, to know what happens when good people don't step up and don't say something, in, 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 frankly, in, in light of some of the things that we're experiencing here, when you attack the FBI, when you attack civil servants, when you attack the intelligence community, all the nonpartisan institutions that are there to help you make decisions in the interest of the country. Um, when good people don't step up and say something, we know exactly what happens, and that's why we're stepping up this time.
Great. Thank you, Gina Ortiz Great. Jones, for joining us. We're going to so bring uh, Corey McLaughlin, our managing editor, on to join us next. Thank, so you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. See you on the trail. All right, so uh, as we pivot here, I'd just like to quickly thank another TribCast sponsor, the Texas Farm Bureau. Uh, our food, it's grown by farmers and eaten by everyone. When it comes to the food we eat, we're all in this together. Learn more about our food and ask farmers questions at texasfarmbureau.org. Um, we had two big headlines in the O'Rourke Cruise world this week. Let's start with uh, the, the bigger, or potentially the bigger number. Uh, Beto raising a staggering $6.7 in the first quarter of 2018. Uh, Patrick, exactly how big is that number and how big of a deal is it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a record shattering number, uh, as far as we know, for a, a U.S. Senate candidate from Texas in uh, a Democratic U.S. Senate candidate from Texas in modern history. It could maybe an all time record. It definitely is a record in terms of his own previous fundraising quarters. I think previously uh, he had raised somewhere in the mid two million. Um, that was his, his record for a fundraising quarter. And so this is obviously more than double that. Um, and he had already, uh, by raising between $1.7 and $2.4 million per quarter, had already been out raising crews, um, I think, in three of the four most recent fundraising periods. Uh, the most recent one, it was pretty a pretty clear um, advantage that he had. That was the first 45 days of 2018. And so, I mean, this is a, a really remarkable number, and it's it's remarkable when you consider that it's uh, federal money, which has certain contribution limits, and so you have to rely on a much broader base of support. And he said that he had gotten this from 141,000 um, individual donors. That would make uh, it an average of $17 a donor. Right. He, well, I, said, like, I think well, he said yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. Right. Got to figure that one out. But, but, yeah. Yeah. Do, do, go a little bit further with, um, with the math on this. So in the first 45 days, as we reported, O'Rourke raised $2.3 million from about 43,000 donors. Senator Cruz raised 803,000. So O'Rourke outraised Cruz by almost three to one. Right. So if you give O'Rourke 6.7 million for the quarter, then in the last 45 days, he raised $4.4 million. Mm -hmm. He raised almost twice as much in the second 45 days as he raised in the first. If you give Cruz the same momentum as you give O'Rourke, then let's say Cruz raised a million six in the second. And Cruz has not released his numbers, released correct? His number. No, there's then, an April 15th deadline. Yeah, then said. that would put Cruz for the quarter at 2.4 million, which means that O'Rourke would have raised, outraised him by more than $4 million, basically eliminating, or the theory is that it comes close to eliminating the cash on hand difference. Now, O'Rourke did not release a cash on hand number, as you pointed out, Patrick, yesterday. But if O'Rourke outraised Cruz by more than $4 million in the first quarter, that really turns this race into a something of a different race from a money perspective. From a money perspective, but I think, I mean, what do we know about how much money like this matters in a place well, you need like Texas? It costs about a million dollars a week to advertise in Texas if you're a political candidate. It's, it's about, very expensive. It's about name ID. I it's mean, but, name ID. but what does it mean for outcomes? I mean, don't we have sort of a historical record in Texas of people spending a shit ton of money? Well, Wendy Davis, <laughs> right. people say correctly, Wendy Davis spent a lot of money in the last campaign lost by 20 points. Mm -hmm. It'll allow him to, to get out around the state. He already said he's been to, what, the vast majority Those of Those ding-dongs don't pay for themselves. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, obviously it's a very impressive number, but I think the next stage of this story is how do you spend all this money? And I think, obviously, every campaign faces that question of how do you allocate resources? How are you spending the money that you're bringing in? But I think for work, it's a particularly salient question because he's been, by his own admission, he's openly talked about how, and how he's not relying on political Holsters professionals. Or, right. I, mean, I mean, he has people yeah. with political experience on his staff, but he's right. talked about how he's not relying on, you know, senior level consultants and people like that. Mm -hmm. And so I think for him, right. next, the national 
natural next stage of this story, while the first stage is is uh, very positive, uh, you know, and a great a great storyline for him. There's kind of this reality check afterward, which is how is this money going to be spent? Yeah. Um, given that you you know by your own admission, you're not working with people who have experience in some ways dealing with this this level of money coming Let, into yeah, a campaign. Right. Let's, let's talk about what has not happened yet, at least as of now. The O'Rourke campaign has not gotten into the position of a lot of other Democratic candidates that have the faint whiff of wait, this could actually be a race in our noses, you know, in their noses, which has happened over the last 20 years repeatedly. This is the point at which they go, oh, we might be able to, to do this. Let's bring in the campaign consultant from Virginia who flies into Austin, checks into the Extended Stay America, says out loud one time that she's driving down to Manchaca Road and then is mocked <laughs> right. you know, ceaselessly yeah. and then is driven back to the airport immediately. Um, no uh, Democrat has won statewide in 24 years, which means that no Democratic campaign infrastructure that has been successful has existed for all those years. And typically Democrats have decided if they want to make it a race, they've got to go out and get a bunch of out-of-state people to come in. I was with Beto yesterday in Waco. We did an event with Congressman O'Rourke uh, at McLennan Community College. He does not appear to have imported that sort of Manchaca mispronunciation level talent yet. It looked more like an episode of Scooby Doo. It was all these, you know, you know, these meddling kids around him. You know, um, <laughs> sounds like the Texas Tribune. You well, know, sort of, yeah. People exactly. from his old band or something. Yeah, yeah right. Bo Bobby Blanchard does have kind of a shaggy thing going most of the time. I agree. Um, no, look, it, it was. A, it's not. It seems pretty insurgent still. It seems pretty. Like, you know, this is a reference that will go over all of your heads generationally, but it's more like Mickey Rooney in the garage, you know, let's put on a play. Good thing there's so many old people who listen to the Tribcast. <laughs> old people like podcasts. Well, I mean, especially Be the shut ins. Beto's campaign said this fundraising number was more than any Democratic Senate candidate nationwide brought in last quarter. How We haven't fact checked that, but I, but they're saying it and no right. one's pushed back. Right? I mean, how as far as you know, if that's true, no. how significant is that? And is it likely to draw even more national attention to this bid? I think, you know, nationally, this is still uh, something that is not, uh, you know, it's certainly on the radar of national Democrats, but in terms of getting serious assistance from national Democrats, I think that's still a long ways off. But just, don't you think just Chris, Chris Van Hollen, the head of the Democratic Central Campa Campaign Committee, the senator from Maryland, who is looking at other races he has to defend or opportunities maybe in Nevada and Arizona, Texas has not necessarily been on the radar screen. Don't you think he looks at this number and he goes... Shit. Maybe he thinks I think he shit, sits up we in don't his seat. Need to, yeah. yeah, I think he sits up in his seat and looks at this race a little more closely, but I think That's that we're still... That's your version of saying shit. <laughs> but they may also seat. say, shit, we don't have to spend money here. You know, we don't need to worry about spending money here right. because we have... Look how much he's you raising on his own. Right. You don't need right. Yeah, you're either going to win or lose on your own. So we have 40 bucks from every yeah, hippie I mean, in the state of Texas. Our work has been very... From day one, has said he doesn't want the financial assistance of the DSCC or other groups that would come in if this were to become a race that they'd be seriously interested in. Uh, obviously, as you know, at the end of the day, has no you know formal control over them. But that's one one dynamic in terms of the national scene. It's also something that that Cruz can't ignore now. I mean, you had him responding yesterday. Right. What at the Redneck Country Club? Yeah. Yeah. Who named that place the Redneck Country <laughs> Club? So Cruz said, "All right, so it's a it's a pretty bad name." Cruz's comment, Very I thought, was, name. No. was it's what like did five he minutes away from the Jew he's, haters he's, country he's, club. He was he asked, said it's yeah. a whole lot of money, right? About uh, Oryx fundraising? Yeah. Fundraising. Yeah, I spoke with him yesterday in San Antonio about it, and he acknowledged, he said it's a, it's a whole lot of money. There's no doubt about that. But then he repeated what he's, he said before uh, in response to Oryx fundraising, which is that this is being driven by uh, anger toward the president, anger on the far left, as, and these as Cruz describes it. Who are, right. um, 
you know, he and did he, kept, he, he said far left as often as uh, right. O'Rourke said the junior senator from Texas. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, O'Rourke Cruz did is, seem yeah. to forget yeah. Cruz's name yesterday. Yeah. Yes, right. Ever since Cruz kind of abruptly switched to offense in this race on March 6th, uh, you know, his main attack against O'Rourke has been um, this kind of broad indictment of him as too liberal for Texas, particularly when it comes to immigration, guns, and, and No one should misread the fact that Texas is, is any more of a liberal state because O'Rourke raised that money than it was before he raised that money. Right. Texas is Texas. The electorate is the electorate. Yes, this is a somewhat different year, or at least shaping up to be. But, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think anybody actually thinks that this fundraising number makes this race super competitive or, oh, the Democrats now have the advantage. You know, it makes it a race that now more people are going to talk about. It makes it a more interesting race. It gives O'Rourke the, the resources, as Ross Ramsey wrote in his column today, to be a competitive as opposed to non-competitive underdog. Right. But he's still an underdog. Right. Was this a particularly bad week for Ted Cruz to launch his re-election, official re-election campaign? I mean, it seems like his news got sort of quickly trumped by this giant fundraising number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yesterday I think it was it was overshadowed a little bit, um, for sure. Um, you know, when Cruz scheduled this re-election kickoff, it, they knew it was going to be at the beginning of a new fundraising quarter, which is when typically people who have good numbers release their numbers from the previous right. quarter. So I'm sure Cruz's campaign anticipated that O'Rourke would drop these numbers uh, and try to overshadow it a little bit. I don't think it was a, t a terrible week for Cruz out on the campaign trail. Uh, you know, I was at him with a few of his events. Got a pretty healthy sized crowds, especially for some during the day, uh, during the weekday, uh, and had a you know by and large successful kickoff. Uh, you know the main attraction was that event at the Redneck Country Club in the Houston area with his new slogan, <laughs> yeah. right? Tough as Texas, Sir, tough yeah, as it's Texas, tough as yeah. Texas. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, obviously this this overshadowed his his travels yesterday, but I think um, you know they they Cruz's team, I'm sure, saw this coming as a potential. Uh, competing news story this week. Is this timing, I mean, is he late to be launching a re-election campaign, or do you normally well, wait to, until he, after he the primary? The, and he had to win the primary. Right. But, I mean, but the primary was a month ago. O'Rourke has been running for a year. And, uh, right, O'Rourke has been, like, the right, obvious. But, but, but Ted, the burden for Ted Cruz to announce, in quotes, his campaign, in quotes, is mm -hmm. not the same as somebody who's trying to get on the radar screens of people. He's already on the radar screens of people. So he right. waited until he won the primary, and now he's, he's really what he's launching is his general election campaign, it, it not his re -elect. surprise announcement. Right. <laughs> and but it did, does seem like now the sort of sniping between the two candidates has risen to new heights. Like there was some serious sure. like Snapchat shade going on yesterday. Yeah, yeah I think uh, filter, yeah, the data Snapchat filter shade. Yeah. A and subset the, of a subset. And back right. and forth on Twitter after right. the comment yeah. work said to Evan yesterday about Ted Cruz hates Mexicans. Yeah. And then Ted Cruz responded, you know, that's really nasty, especially for those of us who value immigrants like my father. Oh, boy. I missed there that was one. Some, yeah. There was some interesting back <laughs> Yeah, no, the the day-to-day, hour-to-hour combat has right. ramped up significantly. Um, a lot of it is originating with Cruz, and then you have O'Rourke kind of like, kind of sometimes responding, not really responding in kind, but O'Rourke is now faced with this dilemma of, okay, I'm going to have, this incumbent is going to be aggressively going after me. Mm -hmm. I've been saying for a year this campaign is is not about running against Ted Cruz, not about being against something, but I, I you know, in some cases I need to respond right. and just set the record straight, and so I think in, for O'Rourke, the the question now is is how do you engage in this this day to day combat? Well, I think there are two uh, things that we learned. Cruz's game. Two things that we learned yesterday, or two things that we know. One is that O'Rourke's position. I asked O'Rourke outright, "Are you running against Cruz? Are you running against Trump?" And he basically said, "I'm not running against anybody. I'm running for something." That's He's, what they always say, though. Yeah, but but I actually do think. That, but I, but here's the thing. I do think actually that that O'Rourke is going to do what a lot of Democrats have not done 
recently, and that is do more than simply say, here are the things I'm, I'm, I'm opposed to. I do think that he will balance the list of particular, the bill of particulars against whomever with a, a, a positive affirmative a, a program. And we all in the press, by the way, should say to him, how are you going to pay for this, right? That should be, I mean, there should never be a, a missed opportunity to, to try to push on that stuff. But the second thing is the Chris campaigns, you know, out, what Corey is describing as the reaction to this thing, you know, I'm outraged. Good day, sir. You know, mm -hmm. this sort of uh, umbrage that they're taking at this. I mean, this is a campaign that within eight seconds of O'Rourke winning the nomination had a, a, a country song on right. the YouTube basically <laughs> saying, yeah, you're not actually Hispanic, bucko. Right? I mean, these guys, the, the Cruz people are, 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 are stabbing at O'Rourke with sharp knives, not butter knives. No one should think that the Cruz campaign is not expecting and can't handle tough stuff from O'Rourke. They're going to dish it out as much as they can. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the topics that Cruz has been mentioning a lot this week is um, guns. What What was he, um, Patrick, saying? You know, on his on the trail yesterday, specific to Second Amendment issues or gun yeah. rights. So he, in, in his stump speech, he now has this line where he talks about that. Uh, recent op-ed by John Paul Stevens, the former Supreme Court justice, calling for the repeal of the Second Amendment, uh, basically saying that, you know, John Paul Stevens finally said out loud what so many uh, Washington, this isn't Cruz, is telling uh, that so many Democrats in D.C. believe, which is that there shouldn't be a Second Amendment, it should be repealed. Well, I asked about that yesterday of O'Rourke. He said, right. no, he doesn't right. want to repeal the Second Amendment. And I, I asked Cruz about that in San Antonio, what he told you, and he said, well, of course he's going to say that, right. so we're not going to get anywhere on this. Seems um, like a little bit of but, you know, But this gets to the one contrast that he's really been, uh, of those three things, I think he's been driving against uh, O'Rourke more than anything else, uh, which is this gun issue. Um, which he thinks is, is a winning contrast in, in Texas, which is such a, a gun-loving state. And, um, you know, and the dynamics of this are, are you know, I think uh, fascinating because, you know, even in Texas, uh, after all these recent uh, shootings we've seen, of course, here in Texas and in, in other places across the country, you've seen Republicans move a little bit in at least trying to take some action after them, uh, even if it doesn't relate to specifically gun restrictions. I mean, mm -hmm. last week uh, on the TripCast, we talked about John Cornyn's Fix Nix uh, bill. Mm -hmm and um, may talk, it, talk about it again today. Um, and so the- <laughs> We will, you're, you're moving us right in that direction. Um, yeah. He's trying to stall until um, the end yeah, of the trip. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And so I think it's a fascinating environment to mm -hmm. make gun, the, the gun violence issue or gun control issue, if you're Cruz, um, to make that front and center because mm -hmm. the, the conversation is shifting maybe just a little bit, even in a place like Texas. Well, and Cornyn is one of those people who's making those conversations mm -hmm. front and center. I mean, the state's senior senator, not junior senator. Yeah. Uh, Corey, tell us a little bit about what he was doing in Sutherland Springs this week. Yeah, so it was, uh, he went on Good Friday to Sutherland Springs and he stood in front of the church where 26 people were killed uh, in November while they were worshiping. And he touted the, the Fix Nix Act, which, um, you know, is this background check law that, that he got passed that basically tries to close what he calls a loophole. So the, the shooter, Devin Kelly, was able to get a gun because the Air Force didn't properly enter his domestic violence background, which included, you know, being convicted of uh, harming his very tiny stepson's head. Um, and he didn't, um, he was able to, to buy a gun. And so this bill, this law now would um, basically incentivize states and agencies who do a good job entering this kind of information into the national background check system. It would penalize those who don't. Um, he's been working on this since right after the shooting. That got, shooting, the Sutherland Springs. The Sutherland yeah. Springs shooting. It got held up in Congress 
And then it wasn't until really after Parkland that Cornyn was able yeah. to, mm -hmm. to get a ton of momentum behind it. He got dozens and dozens of co-sponsors and he got it passed. So is there, I mean, is there daylight? First of all, is this politically dangerous at all for Cornyn to be doing right now? And is there daylight between him and Cruz on this issue? I mean, this particular thing. Is it narrow is a, enough? It's a very, it's a narrow thing. And he had bipartisan support. I think his critics would say, well, his gun control critics would say, this doesn't do enough. Right. Like, does this really do Does it change anything, or is much? this just, He's, yeah. I mean, Cornyn will say, this could have prevented Sutherland Springs, and it will save lives in the future. Um, other people will say, this, this doesn't go far enough. Um, Cornyn also says there's other things that he wants to do, but he didn't. Yeah. Bump stocks are on his list, but there yeah. are a lot of people. Yeah, well, also. But Cru Cruz is opposed to the bump stock. Right. I believe. Is One thing Cruz... He has not embraced it. That's yeah. right. Sure. <laughs> right. Cornyn would also like to, I think, penalize people who lie to get through a background check. That's that's another thing on the list. You know, p politics is many things, but it is at least in a significant way about the death of nuance, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? It, you know, the old Karl Rove line, if you're explaining you're losing, is applicable on almost every issue. So let's get back to O'Rourke and Cruz for a second yeah. through the context of yeah. this. So the day after O'Rourke won, or maybe the night of O'Rourke winning the primary, the Cruz campaign said, among among other things, that the problem with Beto O'Rourke is he wants to raise your taxes, he wants to take your guns, and he wants to make your border insecure. Mm -hmm. So I asked him about those things yesterday. Do you want to uh, overturn the Second Amendment, per John Paul Stevens? No. But I do want to ban bump stocks. I do want to uh, ban assault weapons. I do want to ban high-capacity magazines. I do think we need more background checks. Do you want to raise uh, our taxes? No, but I do think rich people should pay their fair share. I do think corporations should pay more taxes. So I do want to raise taxes on those guys. Well, what, is, what does rich mean? Well, it means a couple hundred thousand dollars. Well, do you think that the border is, is insecure? No, but I do think, you know, do, I don't want a wall, but, you know, I don't want to make the border insecure, but I don't want a wall. But I don't, you know, it, it's like, I think the difficulty for a lot of people on these issues, and really more of the Democratic challengers in a conservative state like Texas is, even if you want to make these incremental changes, they are taken by your opponents as, see, what did we tell you? Mm -hmm. And here's where I think your question to Corey about is, is, a, is a problem for Cornyn to be for this. Mm -hmm. No, and the reason is Cornyn's a Republican. He's also not running right now. <laughs> well, but specifically, I think that one of the reasons that Cornyn can do this is be Cornyn's, because Cornyn is a Republican. Well, I think it'd be harder if Cornyn were a Democrat because he would open himself up to being mis perceived or misrepresented as somehow being soft on guns. And not, not just a Republican, but the number two Republican. And, you know, what, what Abby Livingston, our Washington bureau chief, told me is she thought this was really one of Cornyn's most effective moments as whip. He was able to yeah. get this done. Right. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. We're going to oh, get this God. done. <laughs> if you like listening to the Tribcast every week, please do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes. Those ratings help us reach more listeners like you. And if you value the Tribune's nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom, please consider making a donation at support.texastribune.org. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for our music and to UT 40 for 40, Houston First, and the Texas Farm Bureau, our sponsors this week. On behalf of Evan, Patrick, Corey, Gina, and our producers, Todd and Regina, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas Texas talking. 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 Texas talking.
One, two, three, four. Yeah, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Three, two, one, three, two, one, three, two, one. Contrarian. Shit.